0: Good morning, I'm Wimala, and today is Thursday, February the 17th. We have lost almost all of our snow because it rained from the uh, early afternoon through the night here. So now we have all of our grass, and there's one small pile where they've scraped up the snow off the parking lot. You know, they're kind of mountains to begin with and the snow is gone and there's just a maybe three foot big pile where this they didn't where the melting didn't get through the mountain of snow at the edge of a parking lot. So now we have ice and it's supposed to snow this afternoon. So we've cleaned up all the old snow and now we'll have a layer of ice and we'll have snow on top of that. So That's another winter experience. (laughs) So there's not sun. It's kind of gray. So we make the best out of the weather we have. I have a tiny bug crawling on the screen of my phone. must be warm. Okay. Um, We're reading out of Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. And we're still in the second chapter, and this is the second half of this chapter. And he's talking about, we're talking about the voidness, and that's also the heartwood of the Bodhi tree, the Bo, the Buddha's teachings on voidness. So that voidness is where we're really seeing things as non-dualistic. We're not seeing uh Me versus them. We're seeing our connection with all things. So the voidness is just void of I and mine. So the last thing I read was uh, in the first half, and this is a chapter called The Spiritual Doctor. uh, This matter of I or mine is very hard to see. If you don't take a genuine interest in it, you won't be able to understand that it is the force behind dukkha, or suffering. It is the power behind spiritual disease. So this section in the same chapter, The Spiritual Doctor, Ego, Egoism, and Selfishness. That which is called Atta, A-T-T-A, or self, corresponds to the Latin word ego, if the feeling of self-consciousness arises, we call it egoism, because once the feeling of I arises, it naturally and inevitably gives rise to the feeling of mine. Therefore, the feeling of self and the feeding of things belonging to, this, to self, taken together, are egoism. Ego can be said to be natural to living beings, and moreover, to be their center. If the word ego is translated into English, it must be rendered as soul, a word corresponding to the Greek, kentrikon, which means center or kentrason. I don't know the right pronunciation, which means center. Thus, relating these three words, the soul, atta, can be considered can be regarded as the center of living beings as their necessary nucleus since it is so central ordinary people cannot easily rid themselves of the ego it follows that all unenlightened people must experience this feeling of egoism arising continually although it is true that it doesn't express itself all the time It does manifest whenever one sees a form, hears a sound, smells an odor, touches a tactile object, or has a thought arise in the mind. So everything entering through our senses. On every occasion that the feeling of I and mine arises, we can take it to be the disease fully developed regardless of whether it's dependent upon seeing a form, hearing a sound, smelling an odor, or whatever. When, at the moment of sense contact, the feeling of I and mine arises, it is the disease fully developed. The feeling of selfishness has arisen powerfully. At this point, we no longer call it egoism, but selfishness because it's an agitated egoism that leads one into low, false ways, into states of thinking only of oneself, without consideration for others. Everything one does is selfish. One is completely ruled by greed, hatred, and delusion. The disease expresses itself as selfishness and then harms both oneself and others. It is the greatest danger to the world. That the world is currently so troubled and in such turmoil is due to nothing other than the selfishness of each person and of all the many factions that form into competing groups. They are fighting each other without any real desire to fight, but through compulsion because they can't control this thing. They can't withstand its force and so the disease takes root. The world has taken in the germ which has then caused the disease, because no one is aware of that which can resist the disease, namely, the heart of Buddhism. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I or mine, next section. Let us clearly understand this phrase, the heart of Buddhism. Whenever we ask what the heart of Buddhism is, there are so many contending replies that it's like a sea of voices. Everyone has an answer. Whether they are correct or not, it is another matter. It isn't good enough to answer according to what we have heard and memorized. We must each look into ourselves and see with our own mindfulness and wisdom and the, the Pali for wisdom is Satipana, whether or not we have the true heart, we have the true heart of Buddhism. Some will probably say the Four Noble Truths, Adhyasacca, others' impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and selfishness, Aniccata, dukkata, and anatata, and others may cite the verse, refraining from doing evil, doing only good, purifying the mind, this is the heart of Buddhism. All these replies are correct, but only to a degree. I would like to suggest that the heart of Buddhism is the short saying, nothing whatsoever should be clung to. There is a passage in the Majjhima Nikaya where someone approached the Buddha and asked him whether he could summarize his teaching in one phrase, and if he could, what it would be, the Buddha replied that he could, and he said, "Sabbe Dhamma Nalam Abhinibhiseyya." Sabbe Dhamma means all things. Nalam Nalam means should not be we Vesaya means to be clung to. So all things should not be clung to. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to. Then the Buddha emphasized this point that say, by saying that whoever had heard this core phrase had heard all of Buddhism. Whoever had put it into practice had practiced all of Buddhism and whoever had received the fruits of practicing it had received all the fruits of Buddhism. Powerful, yeah? Now, if anyone realizes the truth of this point, that there is not a single thing that should be clung to, then they have no germ to cause the disease, diseases of greed, hatred, and delusion, or of wrong action of any kind, whether by body, speech, or mind. So whenever forms, sounds, odors, flavors, tangible objects, and mental phenomena crowd in, the antibody, nothing whatsoever should be clung to, will resist the disease superbly. Nothing whatsoever will be clung to. The germ will not be let in, or if it is allowed in, it will be destroyed. The germ will not spread and cause the disease because it is continually destroyed by the antibody. There will be an absolute and perpetual immunity. This then is the heart of Buddhism, of all Dhamma. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to. A person who realizes this truth is like someone who has an antibody that can resist and destroy a disease. It's impossible for him or her to suffer from the spiritual disease. It's impossible for him or her to... I was about to read the same sentence. However, for ordinary people who don't know the heart of Buddhism, it's just the opposite. They lack even the slightest immunity. By now you probably understand the spiritual disease and the doctor who heals it. But it's only when we see that we ourselves have the disease that we become really serious about healing ourselves, and in the right way, too. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) It sounds like something we've been dealing with for the last few years. Before we didn't notice our sickness, we just enjoyed ourselves as we pleased. We were like people, unaware that they have some serious illness, such as cancer or TB who just indulge in pleasure seeking without bothering to seek any treatment until it's too late and then die of their disease. We won't be that foolish. We will remember the Buddha's instruction, don't be heedless, be perfect in heedfulness. Being heedful people, we should take at the look at the way in which we are suffering from the spiritual disease and examine the germ that causes the infection. If you do this correctly and unremittingly, you will certainly receive in this life the best thing that a human being can receive. We must look more closely into the point that clinging is the germ, and then investigate how it spreads and develops into the disease. If you've observed even slightly, you will have seen that it's this clinging to I and mine that is the chief of all the defilements. So the chief of all the defilements. So we know about right effort as well. So right effort is what he's talking about when he's talking about our protection and how... If we, if we use those four great efforts, that there's no possibility of this, uh, of the defilements acting on us. Greed, hatred, and delusion, and the, the chief of all is the clinging to I and mine. We can divide the defilements, or Kilesa and Pali, into greed, hatred, and delusion, Lopa, Dosa, and Moha, or group them into 16 times, or however many characters we want. In the end, they all are included in greed, hatred, and delusion. But these three too can be collected into one, the feeling of I and mine, The feeling of I and mine is the inner nucleus which gives birth to greed, hatred, and delusion. When it emerges as greed, blind desire, and craving, it attracts a sense object that has made contact. If, at another moment, it repels the object, that is hatred, or dosa. On those occasions when it's stupefied and doesn't know what it wants, hovering around the object unsure whether to attract whether to attract or repel that is delusion or moha this way of speaking makes it easier for us to observe the actual defilements greed or lust and that's lopha or raga pulls the object in gathers it into itself hate or anger dosa, or coda pushes things away. Delusion, moha, spins around uncertain what it should do, running in circles, afraid to push and unwilling to pull. Defilement behaves in one of these ways towards sense objects. And the sense objects again are form, sound, odors, flavors, and tangible objects. Those are the sense objects depending on what form the object takes, whether it is clearly apprehensible or hidden, and whether it encourages attraction, repulsion, or confusion. Despite their differences, all three are defilements because they have their roots in the inner feelings of I and mine. Therefore, it can be said that the feeling of I and mine is the chief of all defilements and the root cause of all dukkha and of all disease. And dukkha is our friendly, friendly, the word we all know, and it means means suffering, or it might mean discontent or dissatisfaction or stress. Lots of meanings, but, but the one that we... Uh, we probably learn, first of all, is suffering, but it's everything, the range from slight discomfort to uh, agony. Having not fully appreciated or examined the Buddha's teachings regarding Dukkha, many people have misunderstood it. They have taken it to mean that birth, old age, sickness, death, and so on, are themselves Dukkha. In fact, those are just its characteristic vehicles." I love that sentence. Those are just its characteristic vehicles. The Buddha summarized his explanation of dukkha by saying, in short, dukkha is the five aggregates, aggregates, or khanda, in which there is clinging upadana, and clinging upadana is a good word to remember. (sighs) <sighs> this means that anything that clings or is clung to as I or mine is dukkha. Anything that has no clinging to I or mind is not dukkha. Therefore, birth, old age, sickness, death, and so on, if they are not clung to as I or mine, cannot be dukkha. Only when birth, old age, sickness, and death are clung to as I or mine, are they dukkha? The body and mind are the same. Don't think that dukkha is inherent in the body and mind. Only when there is clinging to I or mine do they become dukkha. With the pure and undefiled body and mind, that of the arahant, that someone who has uh, reached that level of enlightenment with the pure and undefiled body and mind, that of the Arahant, there is no dukkha at all. So there is no suffering, because we're not connecting it to ourselves. This is my suffering, this is my pain, this is my old body. So that's chapter two. That's a good place to stop, because this is, if you think about it, he's just repeating the same thing over and over again, trying to, Okay, he will continue to uh, explain this, but the main thing we want to get so far is everything that's included in those five aggregates. Dukkha is the five aggregates, form, feelings, uh, mental formations, and uh, form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. All of those aggregates, all of those things that we think are who we are, uh, those, that's the source of Dukkha. So, Diane asks, what title? This is uh, Buddhadasa Bhikkhu's Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, the Buddha's Teaching on Voidness. So it's put out by Wisdom Publications, but if you go to um, his to org, that is the website for his center in Thailand, and all of the books are on a PDF form. So you can get all of his books and lots of his teachings that often are put made into uh, books. Uh, you can get those all in PDF form. He is my uh, he's my all-time favorite. When I first read him, I was just blown away many years ago and then got sidetracked into other teachers. but it's good coming back to his teaching. So uh, why don't we spend a little time? We have time to sit together. So I hope you're enjoying this reading. If you get tired of me reading, let me know. But I think uh, Buddha Dasa is a very important. He's a very important teacher, and it's very important to be to understand what the really the core teachings are, because again we get overwhelmed. So we need to know what's important. Why don't we sit together? And you can just allow we'll just sit being with our breath. Oh, thanks, Jamie. You can sit with your breath and counting the breath. And this is good if you're if you're if you've been practicing for a long, long time, and it's good if you're a brand new meditator. And uh, Robert Thurman recommended that you count to 10 with each breath. And this is mindfulness practice. So this is not um, samadhi or concentration because we're working our way up to that. First, we need to calm the mind and we need to um, be able to, to feel more mental stability. And then when we've worked with that, then we will... Naturally, move into that uh, state of samadhi because our mind will just take us there because we'll be, the mind will have become more like a calm, clear pond where you can see all the way to the bottom. So, when you breathe, count each inhale and exhale as one breath. So breathing in is one. Breathing out is one. Then you count two. So count on your own because we all have different, uh, different links of our natural breath. But let your body be awake. So if you become drowsy, you can always open your eyes. But if you let your even if you're on the floor, so you're taking care of your back, you can let your spine feel uplifted. And I'm really enjoying these days remembering to roll my shoulders back. Thank you, Eva. That's the she's put up the uh, the site where you can get the PDFs. And I always have to remember to bring my chin down because as I'm sitting, it tends to want to float away, chin up to the sky. But we want to have that straight back and our head. We want to feel, feel that cord, that silver cord or golden cord coming up through our spine and through the right up through the top, and kind of lifting us up like a puppet. Just let your hands rest comfortably in your lap. You can have one palm on top of the other, or both palms, just resting palm down on your upper thighs, or up. Just have your arms supported. And feel your body making contact with the earth. It might just be through your feet. You might be walking. Or if you're sitting in a chair or on a cushion, feel your bottom, feel the parts of your legs that are touching the floor, but wherever you touch the floor or the ground, you are on the earth. We want to be aware of being grounded. Even if you're in a 20-story building, when you touch the floor, you're touching ground. we can work we can work more one day with the elements the four elements earth water wind heat And first, remember Bhikkhu Bodhi saying, Now your body is calm and you've, you're settling into the body. Now drop your mind right into your body. We don't want it, it's not out somewhere else with our big brains floating around. We want to remember this mind is part of our body, this mind is one of our senses. So let it, poof, just drop down into your body. Let all of you be present. Now, the point of counting your breaths is to be able to Notice when you forget which breath you've just counted or which breath you're in the middle of. If you lose count, smile because you're seeing yourself and how the mind works. That's the point of practicing. You see, we see how much of a monkey mind we have, how just easily distracted we are. When you see that, recognize it. That's wonderful. Most of the day we don't recognize all the interruptions and distractions. And then come back to one and just start over again. And if you make it up to ten, you come back and start at one again. Welcome everything coming to you through your sense doors. Don't try to cut them off. We're trying to see when we're distracted and what's distracting us. You don't have to think about that now. Just be aware when you become distracted. And that's when we go back and start again at one. But don't try to Repress anything. Let your thoughts arise. Be aware of sounds, of temperature, of smells, of taste, of contact on your body, the feeling of your clothes, the feeling of the floor on your feet, the temperature, Be aware, if your eyes are closed, of what the light is doing under your closed eyelids. Whatever arises, we take it in, but don't lose count of your breath. Stay focused on your focus. Our time together is coming to an end this morning. So if you can continue to sit, uh, please do that. Your mind might be just exactly at the spot where it's so easy to just uh, just allow it, just allow it to go deeper when it wants to go deeper. We don't ever want to force it. may everything we do and say and think today be done for our own benefits and include for the benefit of all sentient beings and this is when we can begin to practice that there's the word that we're letting go of i and mine and mine so what we're doing is practicing for the benefit of all sentient beings. And that includes me. And so may peace be with you, may, may you be well, may you be content and happy, and may you be feel safe and be a beacon of peace for those around you. Just a short friendly reminder that Saturday is the 19th. That's the end of the fundraiser at Blue Lotus. So even if you don't want to bid on an item or um, buy anything, it's a a really good time to make it if you want to make a donation, just a straight donation. And it will really make a big difference in keeping, keeping the temple well-maintained. And it'll be there for us when we're all able to go back. So thank you.